0: This episode sees the return of Derek Hansen from sprintcoach.com, strengthpowerspeed.com, and runningmechanics.com. Derek was previously on episode 211, which is linked up in the show notes. On this episode, I asked Derek about his article on simplyfaster.com, creating a sustainable culture of speed within an organization, which is also linked up in the show notes. I asked Derek, can you really diagnose a true speed issue in an athlete simply by observation? I asked Derek what 20 years of consultation work within elite sport has taught him. We speak about involving the front office within elite sport organizations when it comes to the performance training system. And we speak about the communication between professional and private training sectors. Guys, this was a great conversation with Derek, and I hope you really, really enjoyed. it. Hansen, you absolute savage thank you so much for making time um how are you doing through all this madness we're going through right now with covid
1: i got nothing but time man yeah, i'm swimming in time so yeah, yeah this is uh it's like people call me out like you're like hey can you do an interview i'm like yeah when do you want to do it i can do it anytime so
0: yeah yeah pick a okay. time but as i was saying to you before we, before we hopped on like for both of us nothing has like drastically changed in our lives cause, like. We do so much more work from home as well, like you know. So, like for me personally, like my master's is online, and a lot of my work then is online in terms of like podcasts and consultancy. So, nothing drastically changed. The only thing that really changed for me it was access to a gym facility. But I'm a lazy bastard anyway. So,
1: yeah. Well, for me, it's changed because like usually the kids would go to school, my wife would go to work, and I would just like do nothing at home. And now I got to make it look like I'm doing something, right? Like, what do you actually do? Oh, you're you're really busy i'm like yeah <laughs> i'm really busy
0: yeah, so. yeah, yeah that's gas so we're gonna center our conversation around this and I, I do mean it's an excellent article that you wrote for simply faster creating a sustainable culture of speed within an organization so i just want you just basically to, to wrap on the article i know that you uh you know you consult with some major sporting organizations um but i found some parts of it very interesting you know very interesting but before i do ask any questions maybe just give us an overview of the genesis of the article um and just take it away
1: yeah i I think uh it's interesting because i've worked with a bunch of teams now for a while like i would say in the last 10 years i've worked with quite a few different teams in the nfl Um, most notably the last five years was kansas city and um you know Thankfully, you know, they won the last Super Bowl of civilization, um, and so that that was a process that I reflected on before this craziness happened. Um, and, but other teams as well, and and some of them have been positive, and some of them probably could have been better. And I don't know if that was my fault, um, but I, I did reflect on you know, and there's there's a, a team I'm working with currently now where the approach has been very comprehensive. Um, because of the performance director and, and what he envisions in terms of my role. So a long-term role and all that. So it, it really got me thinking like, okay, moving forward, if I was to get involved, because in parallel, I'm also running certification courses around a lot of the running mechanics stuff I do. And, and so people want to take that course. But as you know, like you have a continuing education budget and you kind of go to everybody, hey, what should we do this year? with that right and I think sometimes people just want to take the course tick that box off as you said um, but I've been encouraging and part of the impetus for that article was to kind of put the word out like hey I think we should take a broader approach to this it shouldn't just be like take a course and hope it gets done um, so I reflected on what I've done in the past that's worked some of the people that I've worked with in some of the organizations and then also touched on some things about you know, some of the piecemeal stuff I've, I've been involved with and what I see going on in the industry where people aren't really going, well, how does that affect, you know, the medical side? How does that affect the, um, you know, the financial side and, and, and even the promotional side for the, for the, uh, the organization. So, you know, um, selfishly, you know, you could say it's a bit of a marketing approach in terms of, Hey, if you're going to work with me, this is what to expect. Um, on the other side of it, I just thought i 'd educate people on what I thought worked well, um, so you know, hopefully people took something away from that
0: yeah what what I really want you to touch on too is this like i suppose the, the best term for it is like this really holistic approach of really involving everyone like i know it's it 's almost an eye roll and sort of cliche we 're like oh we're we're you know we're we 're a multidisciplinary team and you know we don 't work in silos and everyone 's involved and you know that everyone's kind of saying that nowadays and then when you actually go see it in action you're kind of like it's not it's really happening but in terms of your article here you like really like you went even just beyond sort of the like the personnel in terms of you know the sports coaches the uh performance staff in terms of strength and conditioning the like trainers you even involved the front office which i was which i found very interesting you know obviously as a as an outsider from Ireland who who does have an interest in the NFL so I'm but what I mean is I'm someone from the outside looking in so that wouldn't immediately came to my thought process so you included the front office in this process too of creating a culture for speed developments which is definitely something I want to touch on and then at the end of the article which made logical sense was you know the guys who take the NFL um the NFL players for their offseason in the private sector, it's very good to also remember that they're involved in this whole process. So again, just for the listeners to, to lay a little more groundwork here, Derek's article was centered around like creating this whole culture of where the importance of speed acquisition is recognized by everyone who has uh, you know uh, who is basically a stakeholder within each one of the football players within the team and they're all on the same hymn sheet so getting everyone to buy into like no i understand why the performance staff and the sports coaches and the sns do speed work and we understand that when we're and then from the front office you were like from the combine and the recruitment like they also needed to look at the physical qualities as well as other aspects of their sports specific skill play as well as their psychological makeup so maybe just get into like you know you really went deep with this sort of multidisciplinary holistic approach like by including like front office and the private sector guys in the offices, not just the sports coaches the snc staff and the athletic trainers
1: yeah i i think in the past just through sort of coincidence or happens down, sometimes you get to meet like somebody who's from the front office like oh this is the assistant gm or something You're like oh okay cool and it wasn't because he really was interested it was sort of like hey i'm saw the guy in the cafeteria and we talked, um, which was unfortunate, but as you know, more recently, the team that I'm working with now, um, I guess there was information circulated that I was going to be working with the team. I was going to be on site. And so I had like the president of the, 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 the team, the uh, GM, the assistant GM, the head coach all knew who I was when I entered the building and all talked to me, which was very shocking. Right. I was like, you know, what is this guy, you know, do they actually care? And so I think, you know, that really hit me is that, wow, th- I think this is important. Um, and I hadn't really seen that in the past. So once you make those points of contact and once you you talk to people and you have that exposure to what you're doing uh, for them, it, it, I think it makes a difference. And then they it's in their head now, like, oh, okay, um, maybe we lost that game because defensively we couldn't cover the other team or whatever it is. And so they start thinking about it. And maybe the the head coach thinks about how he's practicing or how he's playing people in different scenarios around that. I mean, because you always see it like nobody really says it overtly that speed is important. But then you'll watch a game and you'll see somebody get beat and you're like, wow, that was definitely a speed issue. And even the commentators are saying it. And everybody knows that's the case. Now, whether or not anybody wants to do anything about that, you know, because there's so many variables, as you know, um, is very interesting. So. I think for me, if I can make that connection with, you know, like with my courses now, I always push to have the sports science people involved, not just the strength and conditioning coaches, the sports science people, the um, athletic trainers, a physio, a chiropractor, whoever else works with the team massage therapist. And I want them involved because I want them to understand what, what my role is, you know, in terms of the mechanics, in terms of the rehab but also what role they can play and give them some tools so that they go, Oh, okay. I understand why you're doing this and why it's important for me to start thinking about that during the rehab process. So, you know, just, again, a lot of this has been trial and error for me over the last 10 to 15 years in working with organizations. And, and I, I just, again, I, I think it's, it's just important and, and we'll, we can talk a bit more about the private sector piece, but that is hugely important, at least in North American sports, with all the sort of constraints around what a team can do with uh, the players in the off season. But it's, I mean, all of it's really important, and and it's so easy to say like, ah, let's just recruit, or let's just, uh, 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 you know, obtain the fastest players, and then whatever, well, then we'll do whatever the hell we do, run the plays that we run. But even that's not enough in terms of like preserving those qualities and understanding you know, what roles those individuals should play at various times throughout the season. So I don't know, it's, it's I, I just think it's important. And, and you could say like, well, we could do that with strength. It's like, well, not really. Like, you know, it's not always the case that somebody's going to be defeated, you know, from a team point of view based on strength. I mean, you'll see it sometimes, but at pro sports, everything is so equal um, in regards to strength, I would say. Um, you could talk about injury resiliency as it relates to strength, but speed is just so decisive comparatively. Um, so, you know, that that's how I kind of arrived at that, that realization that, hey, I should be promoting this as a holistic, comprehensive approach. It can't just be a one-off
0: just just a little bit of devil's advocate here just in terms of speed so you said that like when you see a speed issue you kind of you kind of know it, you know when you see it like that's a speed issue but can you really diagnose that by looking at something i mean like you know okay let's say someone is slow like at a, you see you see an individual do a particular task but how do you know like it's like and again i suppose we need to clarify what we mean by speed because like I think when most people hear speed in terms of sport forms, they think about just a sprint. But obviously there's the speed of decision making, like there's speed of hand movement for a tackle, there's speed of an execution of a skill. Like for instance, like me personally, like me like for me to sprint in a straight line, I'm slow, like I'm a snail. But in terms of me like like i play an irish sport hurling like growing up like in terms of me like actually striking a ball in hurling i can actually execute that skill pretty fast like so if you saw me throw a medicine ball in a rotational pattern i actually have good power output and speed in that because that was a very similar pattern to how i struck a ball in hurling so you could say my speed in that transverse motion is quite good but then again speed in terms of linear sprint is brutal so i suppose we, we need to uh Maybe clarify maybe what I mean by speed, but just as well, and I'll let you answer now. Like when you see an athlete and they look like they're slow, like I mean, they could have like a negative thought in their head where like they could be like, "I don't want to be here." Do you know what I mean? I don't want to play today. So it could be a it could be a motivational thing. Maybe they don't have enough glycogen in their muscles. I don't know what it is, or ATP turnover, or maybe they're just a slow decision maker. So maybe they are fast, but like they just they, when it comes to like the actual skill in the game, now they look slow. Um, so like there's a two prong question for you when we say speed like are we encompassing all these different facets of speed and then can you really like just look at someone and know that's just a physical like quality that's a speed issue or like or like you know like my my sort of argument counter that would be like but there's so many factors that go into that like you know there could be they could have had an argument this morning and they just don't have the motivation to bleed in sprint but they actually are fast if if all the stars were stars were aligned and everything was perfect you know so your thoughts on that
1: yeah uh, absolutely great question and and I think uh I would go with your your initial opinion is that everything matters and it, this has that's why it's a sort of a holistic comprehensive approach is that I talk about speed of decision making speed of you know acquiring skills and all these things are important so If you remember the old Boston Celtics with Larry Bird and and Robert Parrish, not the fastest guys, but certainly their ability to execute skills and pass the ball and and make decisions was very fast. So in that case, you're going to have situations where you you probably won't work on specific movement speed or you just can't improve it that much. So then how do you compensate? And if you look at the Tom Brady example is he was known for not running fast, right? not doing anything fast, but he was also known for getting rid of the ball very quickly to keep himself out of trouble because he, you know, he had to compensate. So I think that's why it's all encompassing. And, and you have to think about all of these things, like the speed of the game isn't necessarily always dictated by the speed of their feet. Um, and, and, you know, and I come from a linear speed point of view and I want to optimize that wherever I can. Right. And I think you should, even in Tom Brady's case, well, there's certain cases where it probably would have been better if he ran, you know, a couple a meter per second faster, you know, one mile per hour faster. That would have opened things up. Now, we kind of run that in parallel while working on all these other things as well, like, you know, can he get the ball out quick enough? Does he have enough time, uh, enough protection? Um, how quickly do we run the plays? All those things are important. Um, you know, and maybe you compensate for his lack of speed by acquiring some people who are faster like a fast running back or or whatever right but you have to have that thought process in your head that this is important and you can't not think about those issues maybe you just think purely about tactical um and strategy but you're not considering okay do we have the players that are fast enough okay if they're not fast enough then what's our what's our next sort of option or what's our go to and you know and then on the defensive side if we're going to play a team that is really fast How do we play that team? Like you're considering speed again, but now it's, it becomes a tactical strategic sort of approach on defense to compensate because maybe we don't have the linear speed capabilities. And as you know, you know, you can go to the combine and watch people run 40 yard dashes and you go, Oh, well that guy's fast, right? Well, can he catch a ball? You know, can he think fast enough? Um, and that's important. Otherwise we just have athletics, hundred meter track athletes playing sports for us which doesn't work as we know. And, and that's the, and and that's, that's the reason why I haven't, you know, fallen um, sort of to this idea that, well, we just make people faster, linear, like we just do linear sprinting because I've kind of done that. And I know what the the shortfalls of that are. So, okay, we're not just going to turn people into track athletes. And I'll hear about a lot of track coaches going, well, I could make it better. You know, I could come in and I could make everybody faster. And it's like, well, it's not that easy. You know, if, you know, again, trial and error. I've been involved in this, like I said, about 15 years of working with these types of organizations. And if I just came in as a track coach and said, okay, you know, run, lift, do running high knees and do wickets and all that, they'd laugh at me, right? But now I have a recognition of what is actually involved and the types of people involved, the personalities, the athletes, the staff, um, the front office, right? Um, all those people and in college settings um, also. And so now you go, okay, this is all the information I have. I recognize that if I talk to a position coach, they're, they're concerned about speed, but they're also concerned about skill and what they bring to the table. So we, we make that conversation about them. If I talk to the athletic trainer, you know, same sort of thing. I make it about them and then I kind of try to push them a little bit towards my way of thinking as well. But you can't just go in there and, and break furniture and, and say like, oh, everybody's just got to be faster and that'll solve your problems.
0: Okay, just continue on with that Derek like so you say you know you've been sort of consultant you've been consultant with with major organization for 15 years what what have you learned like what's what's what is your like sort of you know what have you learned in those 15 years like that's kind of changed how you approach these consultancy roles so like, you know, I would imagine that maybe initially 15 years ago, you went in with that sort of idea of, I'm just going to get these guys like super fast, like get their forties down and they'll think I'm great. And then you probably went in and go, oh wait, there's a sport specific skill aspect and decision making. And oh yeah, the sports coach needs them for these, for this amount of time through so these amount of drills. And then the head coach has them down for these meetings. And oh, I realize I don't have this much time. Like, so like, what, is those, what have those 15 years taught you and how your model has sort of evolved? Well, you can't,
1: like you said, time is is a resource or it's a it's a currency to some degree, right? And everybody's trying to get a bit of that currency. And so if you look at the athletic the physical preparation or strength and conditioning coach, where are they in the hierarchy?
0: In in terms of NF football player.
1: Well, in most sports, like you know, if, if you go like, hey, I want to talk to the most important person on the organization, where is the strength coach in that hierarchy? So
0: if if you're asking me, I'd have to give two answers. One I would say most people would say they're very high up, but for me personally, I have <laughs> I, I have them low down.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Right. So let let's talk real reality. Let's talk pragmatism. So they're probably the one of the lowest on the totem pole. And sometimes the equipment guy might be even, depending on the sport, might be a little more well positioned because everybody wants a good helmet or good shoes. And, you know, we need those things, right? You know, if if COVID claimed every strength coach, sports would go on. Okay, so this is a message for all physical preparation, strength and conditioning coaches. If it was directly put out there to target strength and conditioning coaches, sports would go on. Okay, yeah, so let's J- get that J- out of the way.
0: J- just you know, James Tinker Smith is smiling right now. <laughs>
1: so recognize that, and and so okay, great. So if I go in and and if the strength coach loves me, who cares? Like uh, I don't necessarily have a foot to stand on. Uh, because I know what the politics of each organization are now, right? So, okay. So now I have to go in and I have to, and, and you know how it is in pro sports too. Do you think that everybody on the team and that staff and that hierarchy gets along and thinks everybody is of value? No, no. No. Right. So you could be walking into a situation where, ah, the strength coach is an ass. He doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Right. And I've been in those situations too, where there is not a lot of respect for the strength and conditioning position. So as soon as you realize that you're like, okay, if I just hook my wagon up onto every strength and conditioning coach, I am going to be seen beneath the strength and conditioning coach. Right. So,
0: okay. What, What about the sports nutritionists? They get an awful time. (laughs)
1: But, okay, the sports nutritionist, yes, could be perceived, but then everybody's always hungry in the organization or fat, so they're going to like, oh, it's going to talk to this nutritionist. They'll solve my problem because they don't want to go to the strength coach because he'll just say exercise more. But if I go to the nutritionist, they'll give me some, you know, fancy diet that's going to get rid of my gut and, you know. Anyway, I have food allergies.
0: Don't don't forget the team psychologist. Oh,
1: (laughs) This could be a separate podcast. (laughs) Going through each organization and where everybody sits. But, uh, you know, uh, let's talk. Again, I'm drawing from experience, which again, if I'm like the speed coach who thinks, oh, I'm going to go change everything. Well, you have no experience in working with these teams. So shut up and listen right now. So, okay. So nobody gives a shit about you. Let's just, you know, you're coming in, there's a budget from the strength coach that's bringing you in. If you walk in that door, nobody gives a fuck about you. Okay. Okay. I recognize that. So that's where I'm working from. So now if I have any opportunity to interact with anybody else in that building, you know, I'm trying to be very positive about their role and they might ask, again, you know how it is when you meet somebody. Hey, how are you doing? Right. they, They talk for a while. And then maybe if they're nice, they'll ask you, you know, what you do, right? And then you, you kind of talk about that, but you have to have that approach in terms of like building your credibility, building your utility to that team and make me, making people think about how that affects what they do. Right. And so, and I, and I, and I, am not like trying to get into some sort of, um, you know, uh, psychological approach or sociological anthropological approach here. I'm just saying like, this is the reality of the situation. Um, so the other part of that is that sometimes maybe you don't take that job where people think you're useless or you're not useful, right? So you go to a team and a lot of the time, you know, those teams are going to be the teams that are winning a lot. And so they're thinking, shit, we're doing everything right. So fuck, we don't need you, right? Pardon my French. Um. And I know I can curse on your podcast anyways, Absolutely. or it's the last place team who thinks, holy shit, everything I do as the head coach is the most important thing or the GM. Fuck everybody else. Right. And so coming in somewhere in the middle is always good because they think, okay, we're kind of close. We don't suck. So not everybody's totally insecure. They're going to be open to ideas. So coming in in the middle or, you know, somewhere along there is very important as a consultant. Right. Cause if you, if you, go to the last place team, what are the chances that's going to become, you know, middle or first place team in the next couple of years before they go, fuck it, we're not, we're going to stop paying this guy. So I hate to say it, but choosing the right clients is important as part of this whole process. If you're going to get involved in this right now, that also, you know, kind of puts it on the organizations to go like, well, if we're in last place, we have to take a very comprehensive approach. We can't rush right? We have to look at every possible variable that we can improve and look at the synergy around those variables. So I, I think that's, that's part of the experience is that one, I'm not that important, but I want to get to a point where people think I'm important, but that takes time, right? That's not going to be just me flashing my CV and saying, I work with this team, you know, that helps, but that just gets you a foot in the door. And then the other part of it is, am I selecting the right clients? You know, cause I've had a lot of people, you know, ask for me to be involved. And I'm very selective about that. Right. And and maybe people should know that too. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's complicated. It's not as easy as like, Hey, here's some great drills that I can give you. And you know, awesome. Like you guys, you guys are good. Right. You don't need me anymore. It's, it is a, it is a relationship building handholding experience that, that, that you have to, work on every day that you're involved with that organization so
0: that's uh that's some that's really 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 interesting insight you've just alluded to there so my next question then just based off that Derek, is so you use a really nice uh phrase there you know like who do you attach your wagon to or, or hit your wagon onto? so let's say it is like the SNC or performance staff that's bringing you in but you know on that totem pole that well, above that is like the sports coaches and above that's the head coach and above that's GM and above that sort of owner, if, if you were going that way. so Yeah, have, medical's above them too, right? Uh, medical, very yeah, great point too. Um, And and just and I know you, you're you going to be with me on this. I should never make assumptions, but just for anyone who is a psychologist, nutritionist, S&C, like we think that everyone in the puzzle is equally as important. We know that it's a whole. We're just saying that how they're viewed you know, in reality in most organizations, this is kind of how they're they're looking Yeah, at. when
1: the pandemic hits, like who are they going to kick out the door, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so my question to you is if it is like performance staff who are, you know, again, lower maybe on the totem pole and you're trying to hit your wagon onto someone that's higher up because again if you want this sort of appreciation of the you know the 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 development of speed and this sort of cultural holistic outlook that you outlined in your article how do you then like work your way up to kind of you know i suppose you want the biggest return on investment and to do that you want to meet someone who usually is at the head of the organization you know it's kind of like i remember listening to like uh, joe rogan interviewed this gentleman who like um he had actually managed to get a lot of people to leave the ku klux klan he was actually a black man and he, he and like his one of his strategies was you always got to go to the leader because if you can convince the leader to change his mind on certain things well then the followers will usually follow like whereas you don't you just so basically you go to the top rather than the bottom do you know what i mean so my question to you is how do you then kind of get more influence like how do you work your way up that totem pole once you get in
1: i mean you're working on every front right so you know again uh, whatever chance you get to meet somebody else in that organization you're trying to make a connection and that doesn't mean you're talking about yourself yeah um you know, and that might mean like providing resources to the strength coach that somehow gets circulated. You know, maybe it's an article, like the article that that we're talking about is a perfect example because it talks about everyone. So if that article in itself, and it has been circulated to other staff already, head coaches, and so there's head coaches now Mm -hmm. looking at that article going, yeah, this makes sense, right? So that in itself is a way to do it and maybe you know, you provide a list of resources that can be circulated throughout the organization that, again, brings people together and says, hey, everybody's important. We should be thinking about these things and you can help or you can lead even, right? So if it is, maybe it is the guy who looks at the salary cap, right? And he's thinking, well, you know, speed is important. We got this guy who's older. I got to pay him $20 million this year. He gets keeps pulling his hamstring, when we can pay somebody $600,000 who may not be as tactically good, but he's faster. We know he's going to stay fast. He doesn't get injured as much. You know, those are important things too. If you get them to start thinking about that, they're like, oh, okay, that's more information that allows me to do my job better. Right? So you have to start speaking their language. And if I don't talk about salary cap as Mm -hmm. part of my conversation to the team, they don't start thinking, well, this has nothing, you know, this has nothing to do with me. This guy's talking about on-field speed, whatever, you know, and they have their own preconceived ideas around it. But if I talk about tactics and the amount of time it takes people to get downfield so I can run different plays, then the head coach is like, oh, that makes sense. Or the time we should take in between uh, snaps of the ball in, in American football, you know, and how much recovery is needed. How do we improve that consistency of speed over multiple reps throughout a series and all that? So you have to learn a lot about what each individual is doing so on the medical side i know a lot about because of my friends like rob panarello and and i know a lot about the physical therapy side so i can speak to the physical therapist mm-hmm. or i can speak to the the athletic trainer and if you start speaking these people's language then it's easier to get these dialogues going and and then they recognize you know maybe you bring some value as well but if you just if you the track coach and you come in and just talk about you know 10 meter splits you know on it that usain bolt runs everybody's like fuck off right like that you know i don't care about that right i want you to i want to talk about stuff that i'm good at and i think that that's part of it that that's the way to get the traction um, and it and again i'm not saying like everybody can do this this takes time and this takes You almost have to be immersed in it just like a language, right? And you have to understand what the culture is. And I have great friends who work in the industry at different pro teams. And so even having those network connections like somebody like Art Horn in the NBA, who I'm going to talk to this week, Mark Uyama at the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the NFL, and now I have you know some people in the nhl i talk to some people in major league baseball that i'm interfacing with and i'm starting to learn about their situation mm, and right. once you start understanding their situation now it's easier for you to come in and say this is what i can bring to your situation and this is how we can work together but again if you take the isolationist approach and like hey i'm just a genius at making people fast it's so easy to be disregarded and and just thrown to the wayside because you know well, oh, that's the track guy, or that's you know what I mean. It's it's very it's counterintuitive, but it's not. You can't make it about you. You have to make it about them or us, um, and then then you get more traction.
0: It's again, a great point on the salary cap. You know, in in trying to in trying to, to 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 get the point across for how you can relate your piece of the puzzle to you know to someone in the organization who who on the outside looking at you think would have. You know, would have like no sort of need to to meet you or to to know you you why you you've been brought in. So, I mean, that makes so much sense. Again, you're talking about salary caps and paying guys, and well, this guy says injury free and you know, the, the predictive model of this guy staying around for two or three seasons is higher than this guy and he's going to cost less. So, I mean, it's a great, uh, great example. So, just playing off that finally too, Derek, then, so let's say you are brought in by the performance staff would, and you you kind of alluded to this. You said, like, you might get the article and ask them to send the article around the organization. So, like, the head coach could see the sports coach and front office. But would you ask, so let's say, like, I was the head s or head of performance and I wanted you to come into the organization. Would you then turn around and say, Robbie, that's great. I want to be there. But when I go in, uh, can you have the head coach there or the sports coaches and someone from the front office to attend as well? And these are the reasons why. And then maybe again CC around the article, would you ask for that? So again, that you can sort of hit your wagon onto these people as well?
1: Yeah, I you know, again, I might say when I put the proposal together to work with the team, I that may be in the proposal. That may okay. be something that could be circulated. The other qu- the other question is like whoever's bringing you in, if it say it is a strength coach, you have to have a transparent uh, discussion around like, what do you think, you know, do, does the head coach like you? Does the head coach listen to you? Does the athletic head trainer like you? Does, you know, do you have a good relationship with these people? Do you have a direct line to the GM or does the GM not even know who you are? Like you have to start asking those questions because if you find out that the strength coach is in a silo, And doesn't and and just as kind of running workouts as, you know just background noise, um, then you kind of assess your situation and go, okay, is there a possibility to change that? Um, Because sometimes I'm being brought in to almost help the strength coach bolster their value within the organization, right? And 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 you know what, they don't learn that in school. They don't learn that as part of their apprenticeship or being a graduate assistant or an intern, they don't learn that stuff, right? They're cleaning weights, you know, they're, um, you know, timing workouts and all that. But this, this, the soft art is not being taught to them. So sometimes you have to dial them back a bit and go, okay, do you understand what your role is in the organization? Do you understand how important it is for you to establish yourself as a valuable employee as part of this organization. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to promote yourself within the organization without pissing people off, right? Because there's always these, these conflicts between like, ah, I want to run these types of workouts and the athletic trainer doesn't, you know, believe in it or they think we're injuring people and it's like, okay, that's not a good situation. You better solve that. Like, but a lot of strength coaches know that if they're buddies with the head coach, that maybe they can still get away with that. And it's like, well, that's, as soon as that head coach is gone, you're gone too. So what are you going to do to endear yourself to other people in that organization so that you're not just brought in because of who the head coach is? That's a weak position. Some people may say that's a strength, but ultimately that's a weak position. You're just isolating yourself, right? So, um, you know, again, that's, that's just talking to uh, the strength coach, about the reality of the situation and and what 's the potential to make you a more valuable person and understand and again this this w- we 'll get into it, but this also speaks to this idea that we have to get involved with the private sector because if you 're the strength coach and you 're sending out your workouts you 're emailing them out to your athletes thinking they 're going to do them in the off season that 's a really naive position to be in because we know that that doesn 't always happen, so you know. It, again it's it's it may sound like this is a very confusing complex approach and it is but you have to start putting your brain there uh as somebody working in in the industry to to understand um how you can better your position and how you can again even from an industry point of view make the strength coach you know and, and speed might be your vehicle but there's other things too technology as we know but making yourself be regarded as not the bottom feeder in the organization, right? But there's still so many examples of, of why that's happening. Why the perception is, is that the strength coach is just the dumb guy in the weight room. Right. And I think there's ways that we can change that through this approach.
0: Again, I think you've, alluded to so many nuggets of information there like so like even kind of what you said there does the gm even know who you are like oh that's just the the weights guy but like and it's so, such a good point too that you know if you're brought in with the straight with the head coach you know a lot of people see that as a as a strong position but as you just alluded to there like as soon as a head coach is gone you're mostly going to be gone as well and, it reminded me of the podcast um, I heard between um, Bartholomew and Darren Burgess in Arsenal. Fantastic, uh, or formerly of Arsenal I should say Darren, he's, he's now at Melbourne in the AFL. But it was about how he got let go by Arsenal. And, like, he he spoke very openly about it. And, like, I'm not not divulging any information here other than what I heard in that conversation. So, I'm I'm sure, like, it's fine to talk about because it's out in the public domain. But Darren was, like, kind of... He kind of spoke about this whole sort of... Kind of what you're touching on, too. Like, you know, that you really do need to build relationships with everyone around you, you know, like, the... You know the medical staff, as well as the sports science staff, as well as the sports coaches, as well as the head coach, and as well as the higher ups. Then too, on the within the front office, and this is with Arsenal Football Club. And he was just reflecting on like what he thought he could have done differently. But he was brought in by at the time a different um, manager uh, at Arsenal, and also a different um, a different like uh, general manager too. And as soon as they left, someone actually did say to him, "You better, you better be careful." Like, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's just like, he says, "I'm just telling you." Anyone, when when the people that brought you in are gone, he says, "You know, you just need to be careful." And it actually happened, and that Arsenal did let him go. Like, now I don't know what the whole circumstances, but they let him go. Um, but he's now again, he's with Melbourne in the FL. But it's just so two things that are in my head there that you sort of allude to was that like it is so important to show how valuable you are to everyone in that organization to strengthen your position rather than be as you said buddy buddy with the head coach and thinking that's a strong position to be because again as soon as that head coach goes if that happens and it does happen a lot in pro sports your position is very vulnerable and the second thing this is remind me of is how to win friends and influence people you know like that the part in the book where he's like you know if you want to really sort of get people to like you get like get them let them talk about like what they're interested in or else show how you can add value to what they like what they're interested in. So again, like talking about the salary cap guy, or even like, you know, as you probably allude to now, once I give you a chance to talk, I may mean, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny, I, I heard a review of one of my podcasts and they're all like Robbie just talks so much. And I'm like, well fuck off. It's my podcast. Turn off now. <laughs> But uh also too like you know how you how you can um how you can, like, get, again, the general manager, the owner in here, like, by saying, like, things like, you know, like, oh, I can get, you know, injury reduction, make guys more robust, you know, if you have your better players online, you know, so you're not, like, what's the point in spending millions on a free agent and he's injured because he fucking is, he can't run right or, you know, stuff like that. So, again, you're touching on some great things there in terms of, like, you know, you need to show how valuable they are to everyone within the organization. You need to build relationships. And then you need to also get people to ask the so what questions. Like, so what? Why should I care? What's that got to do? How's that going to make me any better doing salary caps or make me more interested as the owner of the team? So, like, I think these are great nuggets of information that a lot of people will be kind of like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that.
1: Yeah, do you re- watch the reality show Survivor? Like it's been on for twenty years now.
0: I, I'm aware of it, but man, I don't want. I don't have a TV in the house right now. Oh,
1: okay. Anyway, so that uh, my wife watches it, and so I've started watching it. And um you watch very...
0: it. I love what you did. That. <laughs> well, you know? I
1: do, I do. But she's the one who got me uh it, sort of really watching it. That's right? like
0: that's like people who've got shit food in the house, and then people go, "Why is it in your house?" And they go, "Oh, and you know the kids, the kids."
1: <laughs> yeah, I use that too. Um, But it's it's about, you know, okay, you got to get to the end and you got to get people eliminated off the island and you got to win, you know, and it's not just, and they have these physical challenges and you always see the example of the guy that, um, you know, catches fish for everybody, you know, hunts, you know, gets wood for the fire and they vote that guy out. Right. But he doesn't necessarily talk to anybody. He's off doing his thing. He's trying to help the tribe and he still gets voted off. And I'm like, holy shit, that guy's helping everybody. Like, what the fuck? And then it made me think about what people do in pro sports too. Like, oh, I'm doing my job really well and, you know, hitting it hard in the weight room and then you get fired. Well, there's a whole part in Survivor where they talk about the social game and that you have to actually go around and talk to everybody, even if you don't like it or if you have to lie to them. But you have to do that because if you're front and center and you're in front of them, then they, they have to think about you more, right? Whereas if you're off doing all this great work and you're benefiting the tribe, people can still forget about you, right? Cause they're, you know, whatever you're, Hey, we got fire. Great. I don't care who did it. Or I've got fish here. So I think that's, that's really important. The other part of survivor is that people talk to each other, right? So the players talk to people, maybe the medical staff, and you have to figure out what these alliances are within an organization. So if the head trainer is aligned with the GM or the head coach, Well, you sure as hell better have a good relationship with the head trainer. If one of the players has a direct line to the head coach or the GM or whoever, you better get along with that player, right? And and when you said, who do you invite to the first meeting? Well, say I can't get the, the GM there or the owner there. Well, maybe the assistant GM or somebody else, you know, that's, that has a direct line to that person and has their ear has to be at that meeting. So sometimes you come in a little lower under the bar and you say like, Hey, let's just get you know, people that you think would be interested, maybe not the most important people, but you know that they will be talking to them. Right. So like,
0: like, like the chief of staff to the president. It's like, you can get the ear of the chief. Yeah. Of staff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can say something there about, you know, I don't necessarily need to talk to the president, but yeah, you talk, you find out who actually initiates the discussion and maybe makes a lot of the decisions that are approved by that guy. Right. So um I, and, and that takes a lot of skill too like you said um in terms of understanding how an, organize, an organization works and who is who is actually calling the shots um and who might be more amenable to your suggestions as opposed to going i got to talk to everybody like let's have a meeting and i will not have this meeting unless everybody's there holy shit you're out right you know so you have to be really careful and you have to understand the dynamics of an organization and you know who's going to give you the most bang for your buck in terms of your effort of convincing them so
0: that's that survivor example is absolutely golden too because it just it what's coming to my mind as you're speaking there is like you know the the sort of um the importance of emotional intelligence you know and like i mean i I was and it, it, it actually it kind of completely rings true to what darren burgess said in that podcast with brett bartholomew in that you know he he like you know felt that he was doing his, you know, his part within the whole organization as well as he could, but he did, he said back in reflection I could see that maybe, you know, from like a team building aspect or kind of more of a social aspect, that's probably the area he feels he can improve on most, because he spoke about when he used to be with Port Adelaide, which were another AFL team before he went back to Arsenal. There's the head coach there now, Ian, Ian McKeown, they used to call. Uh, they used to call Darren. What was it? The, the the bomb cloud or something like that. Or like on nights out because you know they'd look around. And he'd be gone like a cloud of dust. Or so something like that, you know, I'm paraphrasing now, because like they'd be out on a night out having drinks and like you know, berger would just head off because in his mind he'd be like, ah, they don't want their boss there, you know, on their night out. And like the, whereas the lads would see that as, like, oh, he just want to hang out with us, you know, kind of yeah. like so again it's these kind of little things that aren't really little things they're the big things and i think i can speak perfectly exactly because i'm exactly like that i'm kind of one of these like people that kind of likes to stick to myself and just get my work done and i've had occasions during my career where people actually think thought that i didn't like them yeah because you know they'd often say oh do you want to come out tonight and I'd be like, oh, no, i'm like i am i'm grand like you know i, I honestly i'm just i'm just a, I, I like to stay at home read a book type guy that's just who i am like and like a lot of people would take that you know offensively you know they think that i didn't want to hang out with them. but people who knew me better would be like oh no, that's just robbie he's just he, just he likes to stick to himself you know but again that, that was an area that i needed to improve on like i needed to compromise and say listen just go out and have crack with these people you know they're good people you know that kind so i, I could completely resonate with what burjo was saying on that that podcast but again just going back to what you're saying it really just goes back to the importance of emotional intelligence actually making time for people actually showing genuine interest in what other people say and building those relationships and you know even as you said even even if even if like what they specialize in isn't of any interest to you it's it's amazing how many times like have you had a conversation with someone where like you just let them talk and yes i've i've actually let people talk uh and they they often go oh like he's great to talk to isn't he and it's just like because you just let them talk with themselves like you know what i mean so again just building those relationships and knowing who's important with yeah you're, you're really divulging like how you even i can see like over the 15 years like how like your whole experience has like shaped the way you think it's amazing
1: yeah and there should actually be a video game that we can play you know how you watch a video game and you're like oh you get shot and you see your like energy go down in your life like there should be a social interaction video yeah. game where you like interact with people and like boop, 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 your points go up when you like let them talk and then if you say whoa well, this is what i do boop, 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 it goes down like you can see a real time <laughs> Your, your credit go up or down oh
0: my god this sounds like the fucking chinese do you hear about that <laughs> they actually have like a social credit system they're fucking nuts over there man it's unbelievable but here, before, we, before we go talk about the the private sector piece because that was very important too important piece of your article
1: yeah uh, again we can talk about like oh i'm gonna write this great off-season program for the team and the players are gonna love it and it's like you know what do the players actually want to do when the season is over Nothing right, so you you know I mean there you could say that there's like a minority of players who are like yes i 'm going to train and get better for next season, but that is a, that is a minority i don 't know what percent that is, but it 's probably somewhere between five and twenty i don 't know maybe less, so is again <clears throat> this whole discussion is about like let 's bring ourselves back to reality, right, yeah. and reality sometimes is not very a ple- not a very pleasant place to be it 's like this this covid thing right like well, you know, it's like the flu, it'll come, it'll go, it'll go away by itself and just kind of, you know, stay arms like, no, no, stay the fuck away from everybody for two months because we're going to die a horrible death if we don't. Well, that seems to work better, right? So that's more of the reality that we need to hear sometimes. And I think it's the same with the off-season pieces. that, hey, they're going to go back to a trainer who's close to them in a place that's warm And the guy plays, you know, they like the music he plays and he's got great social media and the other guys that come and train are fun and I I like hanging out with them. That's the reality, right? It's not that they're going back to this great training environment where they're going to work hard and follow your program. So, again, if you bring yourself to reality, you're like, okay. Okay, and I gotta go talk to that guy. I gotta find out what that guy's doing. I gotta bring that guy on board. I gotta let that private trainer talk about himself and hopefully bring him on board to do some of the things that we wanna do, right? And that's a hard place, you know how it is. Strength coaches aren't really, you know, we people. They're all about like, this is what we're gonna do, this is my program, and this is the best program. So as soon as you can kind of take off those handcuffs and go, Well, maybe I should just talk to this guy who's you know, in Florida and and training all these guys. And maybe I should just reach out and see if I can, you know, get him to do a little bit of what we're doing this year and the next year, maybe a little bit more, you know, and, and and again, it is relationship building and understanding the reality of the situation. And I think those are the two themes that we're talking about here is like, what's the reality, you know, who do I got to butter up? Whose tires do I have to pump up to get what I need done? Right. Um, and and I think as soon as you realize that's the game, because it is a game, nobody gives a shit about sports right now, right? Because they're all worried about, you know, getting pneumonia. So, okay, let's play the game, then the game within the game. And I think those are the people who are going to survive. And even now, like, we have to learn how to play a bit of a game, like you said, like, you know, I got to entertain myself here. And I've watched all of Netflix. So what do I have to do now to make myself, you know, feel like I'm not going nuts? Um, So understanding what those little games are and you can't say that they're trivial because those games are actually leading to real life uh, outcomes. And as soon as you start doing that, you're like, okay, I get it. Do I like it? No, I don't really like it. You know, is it, is it is it what i learned as as an intern in school or is what what i learned from my mentor who was telling me all these great things about how i could change the world through power cleans and linear sprints no that's all bullshit now now you have to actually get shit done and you have to you know survive um so i think that's you know that's the realiza- realization i've come to and the more that i i project that and the more that i kind of live true to that the better results I'm going to have. And the other part of it is if people don't believe in that, well, they can go and do whatever the hell else they want to do. And I've kind of filtered out those people. Right. So I I think there's, you can't be liked by everybody, but you certainly, certainly have to be liked by the right people. I think that's important.
0: Big time. Big time. Um, Yeah. So funny that is anyway uh derek listen that was the article is on simply faster and so i'll definitely link it up into the show notes um is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up
1: no i i i think the the i mean all of this is like you got to be patient like again you're planting seeds you're kind of watching things um but i don't think you're going to blow somebody's doors off with one meeting or one one article or one you know one interaction with somebody and you have to understand that like people aren't going to like you overnight yeah. especially when they're dealing with a stressful situation which is like working in pro sports and and that's the other reality i guess too is you you can't <laughs> you can't assume that everybody's a rational human being
0: oh, like no, you have to
1: <laughs> you have to assume that they're under some duress. You have to under you, you have to assume that maybe they have a bad marriage or their kids hate them and even their dog doesn't want to, you know, greet them when they come home. So, okay. You know, it's not all roses. So let's, let's, let's work from their point of view and let's try to make sure that they feel secure about any decision around what you're doing in their organization um, you can't assume that like, hey, I got really good drills and exercises and I can write a hell of a program and they're going to go like, yeah, that's what we need, right? Nobody is thinking that. They're all thinking like, who can I bring in here who makes me look better and doesn't you know, threaten my job and they're not an asshole, right? So um, those are real world things that you have to consider when you're working with teams and, and even if you're working within a team. Right. And you're trying to get along with everybody. Like the grass is always greener. That's the one thing in pro sports is that you'll meet somebody you're like, Hey, and maybe, you know, that's kind of worn off on me and probably you too. Like, Oh, I'm working with this pro team. Like, Oh, this is so awesome. And it's like, now I know the reality of it. Right. Like, okay, we're working. This is another job. I have to do a good job. I have to get results. That's all you have to think about. Don't think about like, oh, yeah, oh, this is a nice stadium and oh, they have a nice facility and oh, that's a star player. Like nobody gives a fuck, right? Okay, so let's do a good job. So then you have to look at the reality of the situation and you have to assess, thing, assess things very, very, you know, acutely and distinctly and go, okay, this is the, the environment I have to work in. This is how I'm going to be successful. And you've you, you got to wipe all that other stuff away and just go, okay, great. Right. And and I had the luxury of actually working with, with actors too, like Hollywood actors, uh, which is even a little harder because you're like, Oh, I saw that guy in a movie and no, Oh, she's really uh, a great actress and she's hot looking. And you're, and then after a while you're like, okay, these are just regular people that have flaws, probably even worse than you and I, um, how do I make them feel comfortable? And you know, don't just view me as like the personal trainer, Not that personal trainers are bad, but, you know, again, you have to, you're constantly, and this, you know, this probably makes me a little anxious and I'm going to probably have mental health issues, but I'm scanning the situation constantly. Mm. Okay. Who's that person? Okay. What is their role? How do I make them feel like I'm a value to the organization? You know, it's like, again, it's like a video game, right? You know, it's hilarious, but that's the reality. And, and, and as soon as you tune into that reality, you're going to be much more effective at what you do, whatever it is. If you're a sports scientist, or you're a, you know, you're the knee rehab guy, or you're the whatever massage therapist, or you're the strength coach, or the speed guy. It doesn't matter. This article is not about speed. If you actually dig beneath yeah. the layers,
0: read between the lines. Yeah, and it's so funny too. You know, you mentioned that humans aren't rational. I mean, for anyone that hasn't read it yet, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking, Fast and Slow, like it's just it's just an absolute like seminal well not seminal book but it's just a masterpiece and like how humans are so you know are so irrational and so subjective which is the same to it to policies work and behave and like humans are just we're just emotionally driven you know creatures it's funny uh when just before you finished your last your last um segment before that like i knew i had a question in my mind and i was seeing if it, if it would come back and i kind of drifted it off there i was like i'm trying to think of the question <laughs> But the question I do want to ask is this and because you yeah, you said you were speaking about this earlier on and it sparked a sort of question I do want to ask. Um, you were saying with certain organizations like you you actually might turn down the role, you know, because you, you, in terms of like, you know, I don't know if, if me coming in will actually make a big change given on where your position is within this organization. So like when when you do, and I, that's another thing I want to commend you on, like that you actually ask hard questions to the strength coach like, are you liked in the organization? <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you're. That, that's what I love about you, Derek. You're at that stage in your career now where you just don't give a fuck. You're like, listen, answer to me honestly. Like, do people even like you? You know? Do you, <laughs> does, does your wife like you? No, but anyway, no. Seriously, but like asking people, like you know, like how much influence do you have in the organization? Do you get on with the medical staff? Do you get on with the head coach, four coaches, do the GM, even know who you are? Like when you do ask those questions and do your sort of um, investigation into those areas and sort of you know you get the sort of results back does that like depending on what you get as a the report there that obviously goes into your decision making whether to work for this organization or not i take it
1: yeah and, and you can ask those questions whether or not you get straight answers is another thing <laughs> um so
0: you have you just to- you just show up and go you fucking lied <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: you know you're like you see where you you see the office of the strength coach and it's like you know a closet and it's in the back you know um yeah you and again this takes time too if you have a good network of people in the industry and with teams and and that kind of know what's going on you have to tap into that as well and you go okay i got a call from this organization what do you know well, I worked with the O-line coach or I work with the, you know, and he tells me bliss, you know, so there, you have to have that sort of base of resource of people that you can draw from and go help me assess the situation. This is what I was told. What can you tell me? And then you take all of that information and you kind of, you know, make your decision. So I've had to do that on numerous occasions and I haven't said something like, no, I'm not going to work with you. Like Bob over here said, you're a douchebag. Um, you know, you just go like, Hey, I just, I don't have time for this project right now. We can talk in the future, right? You can, you know, it's just like, uh, like any relationship, like you make time for people based on what your assessment of the situation is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that if I say I'm busy, that I just don't like you, or I don't think there's any hope for you. Um, But, you know, sometimes I'm just busy, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Come here. uh, Seriously now, wrapping up, um, where can people find out more about you and also about the educational resources that you have to offer?
1: Uh, Yeah, the two sites that I'm using are sprintcoach.com, which is more sort of the professional um, consulting type stuff. And then the other one is runningmechanics.com, which is the courses that I offer. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to, obviously I'm not doing any in-person stuff. Speak, but more about, to,
0: speak, speak more about those courses out there because I actually only became aware of those a few a few weeks back that you were one of those. Yeah,
1: so I've been, uh, honestly, the first impetus for it was that I wanted to reach out to people who are like private trainers mm-hmm. and give them sort of some protocols that they can work with in their environment, whether it's a small gym or private facility. And then, you know, now I'm doing it more with universities, uh, pro teams are bringing me in and it's just all around what we're talking about, the sprinting, the speed. And, you know, a lot of it is the, the, the nuts and bolts around, like, how do I make somebody run better? How do I make them run faster, um, especially in their specific situation? But a lot of it, too, is talking about everything we're talking about now. It's like, yes, you can master, you know, how to coach somebody. But then let's talk about the realistic approach of, like, making this work within an organization, within a business, a private business, within your university. Or if you're a physical therapist, like I do a whole rehab one. Uh, if you're a physical therapist, this is how it fits into your environment as well. So I'm just using the the sprinting mechanics or the running mechanics as a bit of a springboard for talking about all of these other things, right? Um, and which I don't think is being done. Like, again, you, there's lots of courses out there. You can take this guy's speed course or sprint, you know, whatever running But I really talk about the real world stuff of making it work in these different environments, which, you know, maybe some people do that, but I I don't think a lot of people have the same experience that I
0: have. It's so funny. It's like when you get like those fresh interns who go, why didn't you rest like three or five minutes between the sprints like it says in the textbooks? It's like, you'll see. You'll see. Yeah, yeah. Because because I have like 12 minutes to get everything packed in here.
1: Yeah, and, and life is about compromises, right? so you know what's the best compromise i can get in this scenario
0: yeah it was funny because in the article too you mentioned about a, a coach who was, you know he was saying i want to get my guys faster and you were, i think you were asked about how much time was allotted and then you know you were talking about rest periods and then he goes "Oh, the head coaches want to see the guys just you know do nothing in between rest periods and then he's just like well then your guys aren't going to get faster
1: yeah and you can have those conversations uh but then you have to you have to redirect and go like, hey, maybe we're not going to get their top speed up, but we might get their you know rep to rep consistency better. Okay. So as long as you understand that's what this protocol is going to do with the given the amount of time you've given me, then we can move forward on it. Yeah. But you know, tough it, it's hard questions, hard conversations, build a better foundation for what you're going to do.
0: No, it's great because again, you're bringing the sort of realism to the whole sort of situation with, within most sporting organizations. That's why I. You know, I know the last conversation we had was about sort of, you know, your role as a consultant winning women organisations, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then just reading this latest article you put up with Simply Faster, just some of the great points you made in it too. And even today, just talking to you, like, even like, you know, talking about the salary cap, great analogy too with the survivor there. Like, you know, you, you, know, you are actually doing great work, but like you don't communicate with anyone. So like don't be surprised if you get like hitched out because people think that you're not a nice person when really you're just kind of like to keep to yourself like just like little things like that and then again you just remind me as i said about dale carney and how twin friends influence people like you know kind of almost it's like you know uh manipulating people and like people hear the word manipulate and they always think it's a bad thing it's like no you can manipulate people in a good way you know like yep. you can you can manipulate people so that they have more self-belief in themselves but if you manipulate someone in a way that they go away from conversation or interaction with you and think god like derek's a really really nice guy like you know i, I really like him and you know you know and I, I i value what he's doing and i you know you're you're bringing like more value to the organization by you know if you want to say manipulate someone by letting them have say their piece and making them feel that you know they're getting sort of you know they're getting like to be able to talk about themselves basically which that's what people just like to do you know at a subconscious level if they feel that if they feel that you know that that they can get something of value from the interaction with you like obviously then it's going to serve you better within what you're trying to bring to the organization which you alluded on so it's just it's just what i'm trying to wrap up here in my fucking mumbling is that like <laughs> the 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 sort of realistic sort of viewpoint that you're given to like what actually goes on here and again it goes back to these just relationships and you know emotional intelligence and you know you could know all the drills as you said and all you know he spoke about like laying out wickets and frontside mechanics and blah blah, blah. And while that is important you know, that you still need to know your craft not knowing this human emotional piece like you just you're going to be swimming upstream
1: yeah yeah uh, and you might be the flavor of the week or the month but then your time will pass because you just don't have anything else to offer. Once yeah. people go like, "Oh, I, I, I just run over these hurdles," oh, okay, fuck you, you're gone, right? So,
0: yeah, exactly. Finally, uh, what are you reading at the moment? That's just the selfless question for me. Reading about um,
1: Honestly, uh, I'm just I'm reading a lot about my electrical stimulation stuff. I'm just going through research oh. um, because I'll probably do some courses in that too. Um, so just with uh, electrical stimulation for strength recovery. Um, rehab and stuff like that so i don't know it's just because i have this extra time i have about 300 papers i'm going through and just trying to see where the research is um because i know what i what again what works for me in reality and practical settings but i just want to make sure i'm up on that stuff as well and um and then there's a book i'm reading i think i posted it it was a it was a about a guy who was in law enforcement and military it was all about Being a survivor, I think it's it's called the Warrior's Edge or something like that. And I always like reading that stuff. Like it's you know sometimes it's military, sometimes it's law enforcement, but he's just talking about how the brain works in survival situations. Mm. Um, So I don't know. I don't I don't really read a lot about sports anymore. I'm sure you're the same. I'm just trying to find other things that can add to what I'm doing and maybe like I never took a Dale Carnegie course. Uh, One of the guys that I worked for uh, straight out of school very polished good communicator he was like a big fan of taking the dale carnegie courses um they're quite expensive too but you know um other than reading stuff about it i haven't really taken a course so i yeah. mean maybe i should look into that a bit more
0: it's it's funny you said about like not necessarily reading you know sports books or you know coaching books or preparation books wherever you want to call strength edition sports preparation whatever it is but it's like Stu, Stu McMillan says he goes I don't really read strength condition books anymore but he's like every book I read is a strength condition book you know in terms of, like he can relate everything he reads to it like you know in terms of like he there, there's like there's underlying themes and principles and, and elements of mastery that you can take from almost every book you read and apply it to your specific you know your specific craft so yeah i I 100 percent resonate with you too so derek listen that was a great conversation you're a funny bastard which i (laughs) was which always makes the the hour go by so fast i love it (laughs) um but no seriously some some great some great um information there and just nuggets to be honest because i love i suppose too i'm at a stage in my career too where like you know, you go through those stages where you're young and you're a go-getter and you're reading all the information, and you know the textbooks, and you know all the X's and O's, and then when you get on to the, like, the real world, you're like, oh, none of that stuff fucking matters if people don't like you, and you don't add value, and people don't think you're valuable, and you don't give people the time of day to be able to say their piece... You're just like it's all about the human relationships, because again, underneath this fucking neocortex of ours is that reptilian, is that limbic system, and then the reptilian survival brain. So people need to feel safe around you, then they need to like you emotionally, and then you can start talking about objective things that, like Jane Smith, likes to talk about, like Newtonian physics and, and then quantum <laughs> physics. So, <laughs> exactly. well, really, is quantum physics is a subject? Quantum physics is more probably subjective than objective, because you know we don't know where that electron is at any time. <laughs> but uh, listen, us know savage stuff really appreciate it and uh, yeah for all the listeners until next time make sure you check out Derek's stuff it'll all be linked up in the show notes but until next time take care be well and as I always say stay strong particularly now with COVID so stay very strong wash your hands <laughs>